I'd like you please to find John chapter 14 and just to keep your finger in that passage of scripture if you have paper Bibles, if, you, if it's on your iPad or your phone, if you could just keep it there for the next few moments, I would appreciate it. You could take the scripture off for a moment, thank you. Over the last four weeks, we've been looking at a series that we started called the What Jesus Says series. And the last few weeks, we looked at, firstly, what Jesus says about worry in your life. And that was week one from Matthew chapter 6.25. And the scripture that we looked at was, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What does Jesus say about worry? I know what you say about worry. I know what others say about worry. But what does Jesus actually say about worry? Because that is all important. And then last week, week two, we looked at Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. And we looked at what Jesus says. When we enter into a storm-like experience within our lives, when something happens suddenly, we're caught unawares and we are afraid of the future. I know what our normal response is. It is one of fear. It is one of uncertainty. It is also one sometimes of just running away. But again, I know what you and I would say about that when that happens. Have you ever uttered the words, why is it happening to me? Have any of you ever said that? Oh, that is just so unfair. Well, what does Jesus actually say about that situation that you walk into? Well, Matthew chapter 14, 27, and we looked at it last week. Jesus immediately said to the disciples, take courage. It is I, be not afraid. And that's where we landed last week. Now, as we look at what Jesus says through the Gospels, I would like us to look at a new context that Jesus would give us. And I'd like us to look at the topic here. The topic is just simply, you can do it. And um, you would say, well, you can do it. What are you meaning? You know, it, it, well, I believe that so often in life we are confronted with situations where challenges are given to us, where we are put in circumstances and we do not have the confidence to actually step into that place and to do it. And 
I want us to look at some contexts this morning where I believe Jesus would walk up to you and I, and Jesus would be saying to you, you can do it. And some of you may be saying to me, well, what is so special about Jesus? What is so special that you are saying, well, Jesus says it? Well, to the Christian church and according to the Bible, Jesus is God. And Jesus is the one who has given us life by him giving his life for us on the cross and dying. And through that exchange, he took our sins upon himself so that we can become sinless within him. Jesus became the man who said that he'll be with us always until the end of the age. But not only the man, Jesus is God within our lives. And so as Christians, if you had five people to say certain things and Jesus was in the very center of them, Jesus is the one that I would believe. I have a conversation with someone last night for about a half an hour over the phone, and we were talking, and this person said a number of excellent things. And I turned around to this individual, and I said, do you know what? You are saying the exact things that Jesus would say to you if he was standing right there with you. Isn't that cool? And this person just there was just something like, do you think Jesus would say that? I said, the very words you're saying, that's what Jesus would say. And I said, this is what the Bible says. And so that's why what Jesus says about you is so important. I believe there are some of you, your level of confidence is so low. And Jesus today would stand in front of you and he would say to you, you can do it. So you say, well, where in the Bible do you find that? Well, I'd like us just to have a look at John chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 12 to 14. That's um, the saying that we want to have a look at today. John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14 says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me, or anything in my name, and I will do it. These are the words of who? Jesus. And these are words that every believer can own today. And I'm going to define what I mean with every believer can own these words for them today. Let me read them again because they're truly profound. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. 
because I go to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. That's Jesus speaking to you and I. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything. So you may say to me, well, these words were spoken to the disciples and it was prophetic of the apostles in the book of Acts. Well, your reasoning is good up to a point because you're actually not reading properly what this verse says. This verse says, I tell you, whoever believes in me, would you say that that's an absolute statement? Whoever believes in me, that means every single person from that day all the way through today and into the future, whoever believes in me will do these things and will do greater things. So when we look at this passage of scripture, you've got to understand that Jesus is speaking to the disciples, he's speaking to the apostles, but he's speaking to everyone. He's not just referring this to me because I'm a pastor. Can you imagine if pastors were only doing this? The world would never be evangelized or saved. And the witness of the kingdom wouldn't be a great witness. Everybody who believes in him will do these things. So that's the saying I want us to look at today. What is the context that the saying was placed in? Jesus is speaking to the disciples about his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and future influences within their lives. Their responses at this stage are ones of sadness and hopelessness, because Jesus is saying to them that he must go away. He's saying to them, he must die. He must die upon the cross for their sins. He's been preparing them for these moments. And Simon Peter, again, the impetuous one that was with them, Simon Peter questions Jesus. And he says, Jesus, you know, I want to go with you where you go. Jesus, you, Jesus says, you can't. He said, Jesus, I'll even die for you. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Peter, verily, verily, I say unto you. And he says a whole lot of things. And what he is actually saying to Peter is that you, he's actually going to deny him. It's a prophetic statement of what was going to happen. And so it is clear to us that the disciples here didn't understand fully the impact of Jesus' death for them. So we see that this is a little bit of the context here. So within the context of sadness, within the context of hopelessness, within the context of the disciples questioning Jesus' purposes, why he was going away, why he was leaving them, and why he was leaving them in a situation that was fearful. Because you've got to remember the Christians, the people at this stage, was also persecuted for their faith. John the Baptist had just been beheaded a little while ago. And so the disciples felt comforted by the fact that Jesus was with them. And now he's saying to them, hey guys, I'm going away. And they said, no, we want you to stay. You're our teacher. Don't go. Jesus said, it is 
better that I go. And he makes a couple of very important doctrinal statements of why you should leave. So in that place of hopelessness, Jesus comforts them and he encourages them by assuring them of his presence with them and in them through the Holy Spirit. And Matt spoke so well a couple of weeks ago that Jesus had to leave so that he would send us his Holy Spirit so that his Holy Spirit wouldn't only be with us, but he'll be inside of us. And when you understand that truth, you will start to understand the topic, which is that you can do it. Because the Holy Spirit will not only be with you, he'll be inside of you. So it's not in our own strength that we can do what God has given us to do. The assignments that he's placed before us, it is by him leaving, firstly dying for our sins upon the cross, he was buried and then he rose from the dead and then we know that he was taken up into heaven and the Bible says right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father praying for us and interceding for us. And as a result, he has sent the Holy Spirit who is with us, but he is also inside of us. And Jesus says, because he is inside of us, we will carry on the work that he's doing. But he says, you'll even do greater works than these. He says, you can do it. I spoke to my son just a little while, a couple of weeks ago in, in New Zealand. And he's a sports star and sports players have ups and downs and ups and downs. And last season was a tough season for him. And as I was on the phone, I was talking to him and I was sharing an example of another guy who was a lot, quite a bit older who pushed through and he made it to the top of the sport. And I just said to Ryan, Ryan, do you know what? You can do it. You can do it. My friends, we need to hear more words like that. Would you agree? You can do it. And you know, uh, it, it, it's, 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 I don't want, yeah, I mean, you know, and so the stats of Ryan came out and he was second in the premiership league that he was playing in, in the runs that he scored. The guy that was third, first had about 20 more runs that he that he scored, it's cricket, and then he was the second most um, um, valuable player in the league, and yet he wanted to quit. <laughs> he, he says, Dad, I'm 50-50 about this thing now. I I'm, get so discouraged when I'm not successful with them. And I just said to him, Ryan, you can do it. And the stats just came out a week after that, and I sent him his stats because you can do it. You see, as a father, I am his greatest fan. I will encourage him. And our agreement is, Ryan, for as long as you want to do this, we will encourage you to do it. The day when you decide not to do it, we encourage you into something else. Agreed? We encourage. And 
I said to him, you can do it. I believe that Jesus today, if he was to stand here, he would look at you. And whatever your circumstances are, concerning the assignment that he's given to us, you've got to remember it's concerning the assignment that he's given to us. Each and every one of us have been assigned to something. God has a will for your life. He's got a plan for your life. Within the context of that, my friends, you can do it. And this is what this whole passage is about concerning his assignment for you, concerning the provision that he has made for your life, that he's given you an unlimited resource to carry out his plans, his plans for your life. So it's amazing. He says two things here. He says, I'd like you to carry on my work. But then he pauses, puts a comma there, and he says, but do you know what? Not only are you going to carry on what I've been doing, he says, you're going to be doing even greater things than what I've done. Now, he's not talking about the quality of works that we would do. How can we better what Jesus did? Amen? It's not based on the quality, but he's talking about the quantity, the amount of work that we could do. The effect of it will be double, triple, it'll be multiplied. Can you think of another situation in Scripture where that happened? Anybody can tell me of someone? Pardon? Ah, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah did 15, sorry, 14 awesome miracles. And then the Bible says that he gave his cloak to Elisha. And the prophetic word over Elisha's life was that he would receive a double portion. And when you look at the miracles that Elisha did, Elisha did 28 miracles to Elisha's 14. The quality wasn't better, but the quantity was. My friends, in God, whenever we move forward, it is never less. It is always more. I want you to remember that. It is always more. The book of Corinthians speaks about the glory of God that will not dim, but it will grow brighter. It gets better. The ever-increasing glory of God. And so he is saying to you, you can do it. You can do it. But my friends, there is one qualification when we look at the application of Jesus' saying. What is the qualification? Anyone can shout out quickly. What do you, what's the qualification for you to do what Jesus has called us to do? It's in the verse here. Pardon? That's it. The word is believe. That's hard, isn't it? Because when we're under pressure, when we've had failure within our lives, 
when other people speak words of um, limit upon us, that sits within our minds, it enters into our hearts, and we start believing what other people say. That's why I say we need to start to believe what Jesus says. Jesus says you can do it, and Jesus says you can do a whole lot more. Now, it's very interesting that he uses the word believe. What is the word believe? What do you need to believe? Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And that is the crucial principle of us carrying on the work of Jesus. We've got to believe. And the whole of John chapter 14, its theme is to believe. It first starts off and it speaks about knowing God. If you don't know God, you cannot step further into a belief system of God. And so he says here that if you believe in me, greater works you will do. But it's believing in me. It's believing in Jesus. And within John chapter 14, the very important scripture just comes out. You may say to me, well, what should I believe to be a part of this group that will do greater things than what Jesus even did? What should I believe? Well, John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus answered them. And of course, he is answering Philip here as Philip speaks to him and, and asks him questions and Thomas saying, you know, who are you? And so Jesus answers them and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him and have not, or, or he says, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And so, my friends, what do we need to believe? This passage is very clear. This passage says that we need to believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. There is no other way to God than through Jesus. If you believe that, then you step into the group of people who will do greater works because you will be a co-laborer with Christ. Is there another way to the Father? No. Religions teach that there are many ways to God. No, my friends, the Bible teaches there is only one way to God and that is through Jesus. It is not through Confucius. It is not through Buddha. It is not through 
Muhammad. It is, it is not through Mary. It is only through Jesus. That is how strong these words are, and I want to emphasize it, because I cannot teach this passage without going to John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6 lays down the most basic criteria for us to know the Father, the most basic criteria to be saved forever and forever and for our sins to be taken away with. Because this passage says, Jesus says, I am what? A way. No, what? He says, Jesus says, I'm the way. There is no other way. He says, I am the, the, the truth. There is no other truth outside of him that has eternal effects within our lives. And then he says, I am the life. The way, the truth, and the life. No man comes through the Father but through me. It's the most basic but the most profound qualification for us to be saved, for us to know God the Father, and for us to carry on His works and to do greater works than these. It is the most basic qualification. You know, to know the Father, the word know is used 141 times just in the Gospel of John, the word know. But the word know doesn't always carry the same meaning. As a matter of fact, there are four different levels of knowing according to John. So there are probably a number of different ways or levels to believe. The lowest level to know is simply to do, is, is, is simply to know the facts of something. But just because you know the facts of something doesn't mean you actually know what is actually going on. Would you agree? Facts are not enough. People can quote the Bible. As a matter of fact, the devil quotes the Bible too. And he's not saved. The devil is a believer in that sense of the word because he believes the facts. My friends, just to believe the facts doesn't mean that you are a child of God. The devil believes too, and he shudders. So to believe the facts is not good enough. Just knowing the facts is not good enough. Believing the facts is not good enough. That's the second level. The third level introduces relationship into this belief system. To know means to believe in a person or to become related to him and her. So there's a relationship component. You've got to have the facts. You've got to believe the facts. But now there's a relationship component that takes place for this to be dynamic. And then the fourth use of the word no means to have a deeper relationship with the person, a deeper communion. It was this level 
that Jesus was talking about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. It is this where he says, anyone who believes in me will do that. It is where we enter into that place where the knowledge that you have, the information that you have is personalized and it becomes an intimate experience with God. It is the same word, the word know, uh, which is meant when a man knows a woman intimately. It's that type of a relationship. When that happens, Jesus says, you can do greater works than me. It doesn't just happen. It is based on relationship. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit starts to do the work of God through our lives. So let me practically illustrate it. There we go. You can believe the facts about Jesus. I just put the level right here. You can believe the facts about Jesus, but it's almost as bare as this. You know that people say Jesus is God. You've heard people say the Bible is true, and you know the facts about it. You could actually write something up about it. But then there is another level that's important. Craig, would you please come here and would you please take your guitar and would you just, just come and stand here and I want you just to hold the guitar in front of it. Okay, so it is the facts and you can put it on because I'm going to ask you to play a tune or two. So these are the facts. Without Craig and the guitar, it's pretty bare. It's useless, actually, this. Looks good, but it doesn't do a whole lot. But now that Craig is standing here, you know, he kind of is, you know, he's believing the facts. He says, you know, these facts can be true. But my friends, if he just stands here with this, you know, you'd say, well, it looks better, but you know, although he is mildly good-looking, you know, it is not the best package deal that there is. So it's the facts, it's the belief, but it actually has very little effect. But now, Craig is entering into a relationship with the facts, he is putting his um, energy into the guitar here, you know, and, and, and suddenly his personality is becoming involved in what is happening here. And um, when he stands here with his guitar, you could see that something is starting to happen here. The truth is starting to become alive. It is no longer just clinical. And you see, he's even smiling. <laughs> you see, my friends, the facts are not good enough. Just stepping up to the facts and believing it is not good enough. You've got to allow who you are to combine with the facts. So play a tune for us, please. Yeah, just play it for us like that a little bit. 
You know, and, and, and now there is something of a belief that's taking place because there's an interaction of things that's taking place. And now sing something for us while you sing this tune. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Can we give him a great round of applause? You see, my friends, salvation and belief is kind of like that. You cannot just look at the facts. You cannot just believe the facts. You got to enter in with your whole being. You see, he started playing. He started singing. His face started to light up, my friends. Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, this is the type of belief that the Bible speaks about. Comes from here, and I just love, Craig's whole being just started to light up. Before that, his whole being was kind of clinical, and then suddenly, something happened within his life. The gospel, the good story about Jesus, lit him up from the inside outwards. And now the fact that he had the facts of Jesus, now that he started to believe it, it's good. But now faith started to arise within him. And a new world opened up for him. And when that happens within our lives, Jesus says that you can do it. But you've got to get to that place. People who do not know Jesus, they need to take the facts, they need to take their beliefs, and they need to make it personal. And that's when Jesus steps into your life and he from the inside gives life to your spirit. Believers sitting here, you and I, many of us know the facts. Many of us believe the facts. But our faith hasn't combined with the truth for it to become a reality. And that's why we are not quite believing to the point that we should for these things, these greater things to happen through our lives. If you're going through a hard time, my friend, you cannot just believe the facts. Chris, am I right? What you and Julia are going through, the facts is not enough. You cannot just believe that Jesus is there. You, your faith has to connect with it. Am I right? You've got to believe it. And your faith has to connect with that truth. And then suddenly it becomes alive. Do you know what kind of discourages me sometimes? Is when we as Christians claim to be Christians, but it seems like that we have the facts right, but our personal experience does not combine with those facts. 
you know, the way we sing about Jesus. You know, how can we sing about Jesus when, when we sing about the facts, we sing the song, but there's nothing within us that shows off the faith within Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's almost like when I speak to someone about Jesus, and I'd say, yeah, Jesus is the Son of God, yeah, Jesus is this, Jesus is just that, but there is no conviction that comes through my life. Do you think the person is gonna believe me? The facts are just not enough. Jesus' greater works will you and I do when we believe. Gotta believe he's the way. Gotta believe he's the truth. Gotta believe he's the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. That is the basic belief that we need to have to enter into heaven. But for these works to follow us, my friends, there has to be an intimate relationship with Jesus and a knowing of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Because from here on out, Jesus starts to speak about the Holy Spirit. And he speaks about the Holy Spirit that will do it within your life. That presence. Because Jesus says, I've got to come so that the Holy Spirit can come. He will be your encourager. He will be the one who strengthens you to do these things. And so I'd like you to stand now and with the worship team, please come.